We'll read this evening from Matthew chapter 13, verses 51 and 52. Jesus said unto them, Have ye understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and things old. I can bring you greetings from the saints of God in Roseburg. We've enjoyed more than ever our connection with, with Portland and the online meetings, uh, including the Sunday school uh, classes. I've been able to participate in, in a couple of those. It was exciting to uh, view across the screen of, of different people from up and down the coast and even some from around the world, I understand, that were tuned in to those classes. That was something new. And I think that we had were encouraged to focus on the positive. would have never made that connection, perhaps. Um, Jesus here was trying to instruct these that would listen to him. And not everyone listened. It's true today, I suppose. As the Lord speaks to people, some have ears to hear and eyes to see, and some do not. But here he starts out this chapter. It says that he... This is the occasion where there were many people, and so he got into a ship and launched out a ways into the water and stood in the boat and, and taught. And he starts out by giving them the parable of the sower and the seed. And he wanted them to understand the parables. And so in this instance and in others, he would explain what the, what the parable meant. The seed was the word of God. And uh, it was good seed. Some fell on different ground. You you probably recall the the uh, the examples that were that were given there. Some sprang up and for a while, and some uh, sprang up and 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 brought forth a, a crop. And so that was how he started was to tell them the parable of the sower and the seed. And then he he moves on to liken the kingdom of heaven to a man which sowed good seed in a field, and while he slept, another came in and sowed tares among. And when uh, they grew up, there was the, 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 the good and, and the bad. And he even went so far to, to explain that. Let them, let them grow together. I, I'm accustomed to growing things to some extent, growing a garden. Growing up in southern Oregon, we, it's an agricultural area, and well, you've probably heard said before of our property there in Roseburg. It's like Canaan land. You can grow anything down there. But the strange thing about growing things is things grow there that you don't want. Sometimes it's hard to tell. I pulled up a few things that found out later that there was what was supposed to be left. And, and so it was. The Lord was telling them, if, if it was up to you and to me, we would pull up things or people uh, when we should leave them alone and let God... Let God do that. But anyway, he, he, he said that let them grow together until the time of harvest. Another parable he put forth was that of the grain of mustard seed, that is the smallest seed, and yet it grows to the largest of plants. And so it is with the gospel. A small seed is sown, and uh, uh, why it's, uh, it explodes, the gospel does, in, in fertile ground. <clears throat> 
He goes on and, and, and to, to talk about the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. It's like uh, the man that went looking for goodly pearls and found the pearl of great price. And, and, and it seemed like there was a lot that he was trying to get into this uh, small moment of time. And so he asked them, do you understand what I'm saying? And they said, yes, Lord. Well, he said, you're, you're like a householder that lays up treasure that when the time comes and the need arises, you can, you can pull from that treasure. <clears throat> we, we, at our house, we kind of have a tendency to, to buy in bulk. Go to the store with a small list and come home with hundreds of dollars worth of stuff. I had a friend of mine, he went, drove from Roseburg to Eugene to buy a pair of pants, came home with a new Subaru. Well, sometimes I think that's a little bit extravagant, but, but sometimes we, we, we do that. And every once in a while, my wife and I, we determine we're not going to buy much of anything, but that we're going to use just what we have there at the, at the house. And it's amazing how long we can go, well, it's just the two of us, uh, by what we already have. And some things are old and some things are new. Where, where do we place value? I'm, I'm intrigued by, around Roseburg area, there are a multitude of storage units. I don't know if that's true here or not. But, and even some new ones built in recent times, storage units, because people need to store their stuff. They've run out of room at their house. And I'm wondering how much of that we could do without. About 13 or so years ago, we sold our home. We'd lived there for 28 years, raised our three kids there. But we, we sold our home, and, and we had, hadn't packed in, in that amount of time. We hadn't moved. And so we began to start packing things. We were really organized at first. You know, this, go, this is kitchen stuff. This is bathroom stuff. This is bedroom stuff. About halfway through, we would get a box full of stuff, and we would, what, what do we want to put here? Well, just say miscellaneous. About 50% of what we owned ended up being miscellaneous. And we moved into a studio apartment in a warehouse and were able to store all of our valuables there in that warehouse. And we lived there, I think it was for 13 or 14 months. And we used very little of those items that we had. They stayed in boxes, and it was amazing what few things we owned that was actually valuable or that we actually used. And coincidentally, some of it belonged to our adult children. Our children, in due time, moved out. We weren't necessarily in a hurry to, to move them out, but we were kind of in a hurry to move their stuff out if they were going to go. We, we really didn't want to keep that. Uh, and we ended up renting a storage unit for a few things. But once we moved into our new home, why we had an abundance of space and, and, and storage area, both in the house and in the garage. <clears throat> the house was almost twice as big as the one we'd moved out of before. And guess what? We have a house full of stuff now. Just more things. Some old and some new. And if I walk out into our storage area, I maintain that my stuff is very valuable. I, I think my wife uses more of hers than I do of mine. But sometimes you wonder 
Is there any value there? How long has it been since I used a certain item? Well, there are some things that are old that are valuable. I was out at a friend's house the other day. He has a, I can't remember if it's a Model A or a Model T, but it's, it's valuable. It's an old car. Very, very restored, very valuable. I took my grandson fishing. It's been almost two years ago, the first time I took him. And we walked about 200 yards from, the, from my car. He forgot his water. So I told him, well, here's the keys. Just walk back there. I can see you. He was 10 years old at the time. And I handed him those keys, and he looked at those, and he says, what do I do with these? And I said, well, you stick that key in the door, and you turn that. And he says, well, why do you do that? Why don't you just push the button on the key fob? And I said, because my car is old. He said, well, why, why do you have an old car? I said, because it's paid for, quite frankly. Uh, but anyway, he went to the car, came back. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't figure out how to do that. So to him, it was old. But there are some things that are old that are valuable. How about the old paths that the Bible talks about? How about the old landmarks that the Bible talks about? How about the, how about the Word of God? That, that someone told me one time that we look for inspiration sometimes. We should look to the Word of God because it's already been inspired from heaven. So it ought to inspire us to take hold of those, of those old promises. They're, they're valuable. But sometimes we do inventory in the things that we have, maybe around the house, maybe have a garage sale. We, in the last several months, have placed things out by the road and put a sign on there, free. They're gone very fast. I guess what was garbage to us was a treasure to someone else because it, it's unusable. We can have things in our spiritual life that we ought to get rid of. Things that, that hinder us. Things that, when circumstances arise as a, as a good householder, we want to go to our treasure and pull off things that will benefit us, not things that will hinder us. We don't want to, when circumstances, difficulties arise, pull things like doubt, things like fear, things like hard feelings. You need to get rid of those things. Don't store them up. Rid, rid yourself of those things. Throw them away. Put them out on the street and say free. If someone else wants to pick them up, fine. But we want to pull off things like, like, like trust and faith and, and uh, victories that we have won. That Those are the things that are of value. And some are old. My wife looked back to the day that she was saved, the day that I was saved. Well, that's a valuable experience. When I, was a, when I was a child, my mom, she would, she would mend socks. I almost feel embarrassed telling this, but our socks would wear through on the heels. And so mom would take an old burned-out light bulb, she would shove it down in the sock to the heel, and then she would use yarn, and she would stitch back and forth. 
and she would put yarn on the heel of those socks, hoping that maybe we could get one more school day out of them, I guess. Now, I personally just throw those socks away. But, but back then, the need uh, was great, I suppose, seven of us kids. And, and uh, probably by the time the sock got around to me, they'd been worn by three other boys. I don't, I don't remember exactly. But, but um, you know, sometimes things get patched up to get reused. I thought of that, the verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Some people interpret that a little bit differently. If any man be in Christ, he's a patched up creature. Oh, it says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. God doesn't patch up lives. He gives new life. He, 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 he forgives, he forgets, and he, and he gives new life. He gives victorious living. We, we want new when it comes to that. We don't want one of those where you just go along and do the best you can and hope to do better tomorrow. But we want victorious living. <clears throat> I also recall uh, my first camp meeting. As my wife said, it was that July in 1977. And I would relate a story, I think I've probably related here before, about uh, Brother Bud Johnson. He stood up and testified that first camp meeting. And I'll never forget, it was all new to us. The orchestra, the choir, and I had never seen anything like that, never experienced. I honestly thought that this was just heaven. Really did. But Brother Bud got up and testified. And he, he said, he, he talked about he was born here. I think he must have been born right here. And he talked about coming to camp meeting year after year. And, and he gave a wonderful testimony. And I remember before he sat down, he said, and this is the best camp meeting we have ever had. And I'm thinking, man, how fortunate. The first one I've been to, and it's the best one. Seriously, I thought that. Well, the next year rolls around. We come up to camp meeting. 1978, Brother Bud gets up again. Gives much the same testimony. And he said, this is the best camp meeting we've ever had. And I'm thinking, two years in a row. But, but you know, I remember that. Forty-some years ago, I remember Brother Bud's been gone a while. But his testimony lives on. That's a value. That's something old, and yet that's something... Seriously, I pull out at least once a year, more than often than that. The, 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 the victorious living, and, and that's, that's how I learned. Because I wasn't raised in a Christian home. But, but those, 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 those testimonies that people gave, and they rang true. I, I didn't know. I didn't know when you got saved that the Lord delivered you. I, I began to use drugs and alcohol at 14 years of age. And what began as an experiment became a habit in a short while. But that day that I prayed at 19 years of age, the Lord delivered me immediately. I did not know that would happen. But suddenly the desire was gone. That was the last place I wanted to go to frequent those places. I believe the Lord still does that today. We see people delivered today. It doesn't happen often enough. But every time that happens, we're not surprised. We're amazed, but not really surprised. In many ways, that's, that's something old, yet it's something that's always new. 
the Lord still delivers from sin. He doesn't patch lives up. He gives new life. He goes on in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says that we are to put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This speaks of the old man, the nature of sin, and that we are to put that off through the work of sanctification. And then we are to put on the new man. Put off the old. Put on the new. John said if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Lord still saves. The Lord still sanctifies. You and I have some things uh, of value that are old. We have some things perhaps in our lives that we should rid ourselves of uh, that are that are just uh, taking up space in, in our treasure. Uh, or uh, but, but we also can experience new things. I, I, I could go into detail of some of the new things that, that I have personally experienced in the last uh, couple of years. You know, in the midst of of difficulty and tragedy, why the Lord does an amazing work in our lives. We wouldn't choose that path again, maybe. The experience that we went through, the the difficult circumstances that we face, we, we, we wouldn't choose that. And yet, what we learned and what the Lord did, we wouldn't trade for anything. Is that right? Well, why, why we, we would, that, that's something, that's something new. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. There, there's a newness to it that you, that you store up in your treasure. And if you have to get rid of, uh, of some other things that, that's been, been stored up that, that are negative, you, you, you replace those with, with the new things. Jeremiah said in Lamentations, it is of the Lord mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. The Lord is my portion, he says. The Lord's mercy is new today. Our hope is renewed and is new today. We may have prayed a prayer yesterday and not have gotten the answer that we needed. Well, the Lord's mercy is new today. We need not look back on a lack or even of a failure of yesterday, knowing that God has something new for us today. Because His mercy is new today. His, His faithfulness has always been there for us. Peter said that in spite of what, come, what was to come, and he told of things in the future, that we feel like are coming true in our day. The difficulties that we would face. But he said, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. We need to be diligent in our day. 
because we're looking for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. This earth has been touched by sin. We've seen it all around us. But there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We want to be a partaker of that. And again, John the Revelator. He saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. But he says, He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. That's our hope. Well, it may be time for us to do some inventory. Maybe time for us to look at our spiritual lives and see what we have stored up. The verse came up in one of our Sunday school classes recently to, to buy the truth and sell it not. You know what's a good time to buy? It is. You need to invest in the truth. When I was young, we had three little kids and my wife and I went to an investment counselor. I think maybe I went by myself. I don't remember. It was, uh, I was self-employed, and so it was suggested that I go to this investment counselor. And he began to tell me that I needed to save some money, put it away for retirement. And he told me if I would save, it was either 20 or $50, it wasn't much, a month. That he, and, he, and he was able to tell me about the, how the stock market had gone and, and, and he had something that looked kind of like a slide rule. And he said, let's say $50 a month for every month of the year. And he slid that slide rule out. And he says, when you turn 65, and he showed it to me, I was going to be a millionaire. Well, I'm not 65 yet. I didn't, and I'm not a millionaire. But he would always call and he would say, if you have any spare money, it, it's a good time to buy, he would say. The stock market's down. It's a good time to buy. And then he'd call and he would say, well, the stock market's up. It's a good time to buy. You know, according to him, it was always a good time to buy. You know, the Word of God, the truth, it's a good time to buy. It's always a good time to buy. It's a rare commodity, the truth is. Invest in God's Word. Invest in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there's coming a day when, you, when circumstances arise when you have to draw on that treasure. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad that you put the prayers in, that you put the studying of God's Word in, that you were in every gospel meeting that you could be in because the test and trial comes and you have to, you have to draw on that. You'll be glad you bought it. And it's, and it's a rare commodity and it's worth more all the time. You could be a millionaire. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. Invest in the truth and draw upon that treasure. Some things old, some things new, but you, you can draw upon that. God bless you as we take admonitions from, from God's Word. We know that we can be encouraged even in our day.